Kiss me, fat boy. 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 Warning: The following podcast contains explicit themes and explicit language, and may not be appropriate for younger or more sensitive audiences. There are also discussions of things that can be triggering, so please be careful and listen with caution. Spoil the warning, we do give spoilers for all these different Stephen King uh, books, movies, and TV shows, so um, there's tons of cross-references as well that we can't control, so you've been warned. Uh, We are not affiliated with Mr. King on any level. This is a fan podcast, and we just do this on our own. We have no affiliation with him or any of the entities that produces various works on various platforms. And the views expressed on this podcast may not necessarily be those of the host or the sponsor. Okay, so um, Serena, I'm here today, and I'm having a kind of like a meh day. So I decided to uh, Hulu and chill, even though I'm by myself, so there's no chill to it. But my version of t- chill is just uh, I've made myself some... Earl Grey tea, and I'm chilling, so, anyway, I, uh, decided to look up Castle Rock, so Castle Rock is a, a television show, I don't know if it was from Hulu originally, or if it is just on Hulu now, um, I saw it, and I thought, what a strange name, but then I thought, wait a minute, that's, that's actually Castle Rock, so, I decided to check it out, since I'm kind of by myself today, and, um, and actually watch some television, so I wanted to give a little feedback because obviously at this point I think there's two seasons, and I just wanted to give some feedback on it as I go along, so this will be little drop-ins here and there, and um, anyway, so let me just uh, kind of do a quick look at the different um, things that, it you know, what it's basically about. Okay, so I did some checking. And it is an original Hulu show. And so far, it has two seasons with 20 episodes. And um, I guess it's done. It's canceled. So they only got two seasons. So at least there's that. The At least we know for the finality. And I talked to uh, someone who watched it, and they said basically, like, yeah, it was okay, I guess. So, I don't know. Um, I saw, I've only started the first episode, and I'm seeing they're just pushing things up fr- first and foremost. I feel like it's kind of like shoved down your throat too much already, is my first impression. Um, my second impression is I think you have to be like a Stephen King person to really get this and understand it and everything, and, um, sorry, got a message, all right, so I just don't understand, like, I don't know, maybe that's why I didn't float too well, maybe that's why I only did two seasons and then canceled, but also, in generally, it just seems like that's, like, the thing now with, um, these streaming services, especially, like, Netflix is notorious for doing one or two seasons, and then that's it, that's all you get. I mean, so I'm not sure if that is what happened or if they canceled it because everybody's like, what the heck is going on? Um, like I said, you'd really need to know Stephen King. There's so many references 
And Stephen King is a very dated um, author and production of all things horror. And I hate, and I don't mean this in a hateful way. It's just that so far my podcast is super new. And I look at the demographics that are provided. You don't have to provide demographics, but the ones that are provided show that everybody who listens to my to my show seem to be the ages 35 to like 45 or 50 or something. So I think it's just kind of a dated thing, you know. Um, I think, you know, I'm 43, so I think we just kind of love Stephen King and we're older now and we can appreciate it. And uh, some of it's nostalgic, and some of it's like, oh, wow, I discovered this. Now I get where all the, the hype was about back in the day. But um, different younger people might not appreciate it. You know, Stephen King is definitely, um, I wouldn't say his uh, older material is woke. Um, I just finished reading Sleeping Beauties, and there was like an attempt to be woke at that, but that's a different subject altogether. And I'm not, and so... Um, Anyway, back to the show. So already right in the beginning, I'm seeing tons of people. And, and listen, it's a good way to kind of visualize how all these Stephen King books are, you know, connected. Especially since there's several novels and st short stories that take place in the city of Castle Rock. Just like there's a ton of them that take place in Derry. And I think there's uh, several that take place in Haven. So there's just, I'm just saying, like, these things do happen. His things are intertwined. But you have to, um, I don't know, it just, it's not all happening at all at the same time. So I think they're trying to make this all together at the same time or within the lifetimes of each other, and that's fine. But I just don't um, know how well it's going to go. So that's my first, my first original thought. My second thought, or my third, whatever, my th next thought is that I think a lot of people jumped in that have been in his most famous works and said, I want to be here. I want to be here. I already saw um, Bill Skarsgård. I see um, Sissy, Sissy Spacek. You know, she was in Carrie. Bill was in the, the newer version of it. So I'm seeing a lot of people, you know. So I'm just saying. And um, the focus seems to be on the first season starting out about the prison, Shawshank. So we'll see. And it's kind of funny because I can real life most prisons are isolated and this prison's like in the middle of town and you know the reason why they don't do that is first it's not always safe uh to have a prison where people can escape next to like a school you know or a town or whatever but also they do it because um it, it tends to ruin towns so nobody wants a, uh if nobody wants that so if economically it ruins a town for a prison to come there it's just my experience in the because uh, I work in the um, justice system. So, you know, they're, that's why they're off by themselves. You know, they have more, you know, space to be and if they need to expand and whatnot. But, you know, so just sitting like this surrounded by the town and the town looks like it's dying. That actually is exactly what would happen if you had a prison, especially a nasty prison like Shawshank in the middle of a town. Um you know, keep in mind that this is the place that so many weird things have happened, you know. Castle Rock is um, where Cujo happened, where, uh, I guess, um, the Dead Zone and the Dark Half had some...
connections with Alan Pang, Pangborn. And Alan Pangborn's in this as an old man. And um, so, of course, Shawshank Redemption, that movie and that novel, short story. <coughs> Excuse me. But anyway, so all this is there. So, you know, I, I see that Alan is, in, is always, he's always shacked up with a woman, isn't he? He must be extreme ladies' man. Um, but, yeah, I'm not really feeling this, uh, the actor. I don't feel him as um, Alan. I don't feel like he's got the right Alan-ness of to play the part so far. Um, he is in this as uh, living with this um, Sissy Spacek who plays uh, Henry Matthew Deaver. Is that right? His uh, mother, his adopted mother. But anyway, so here we go, and they're already starting to, you know, start off with a bunch of stuff, and that's where we're at. I'm kind of like, okay, we'll see uh, what happens with this. So that's where this is in um, episode one so far, and um, I'm just going to keep watching and uh, drop some more content. So I just finished the first episode, and it was interesting. It's called habeas corpus, which is a legal term that means deliver the body. So basically, if somebody is in, is being held in prison unconstitutionally, for example, they haven't been arrested or charged with anything, uh, an attorney will come, or they're being held, let's say they are they were sentenced unlawfully. I've actually done a habeas corpus um, brief to the criminal appeals court to where I live, but um, it's kind of weird, you know. It's just one of those things where you have to, I mean, it's so rare I don't think that most lawyers will ever do them, ever. Criminal defense, obviously. But I've done one, and I had a friend who did one on a piece of paper real quick because she was basically saying that a juvenile was being held without, um, you know, calls. So, anyway. Um, basically, it starts with the warden. The warden kill, kills himself on his last day of work. And... Uh, I don't know, it's just kind of like, okay, you know, I'm, li I'm leaving this, you know, world, and you think, oh, he must have a secret, because they find out that uh, there's some guy in a, ca in a cage in this uh, forbidden ward, ward uh, wing of the prison where nobody's been for a long time. The new ward comes in, she's female, she's kind of got this bureaucratic act down, the actress did well, and um, they decide to, you know, Go count the beds and see if let's let's make this prison work. It's overcrowded as it is, as all prisons are. Um, so when they get down there, they find a guy in a cage. It's uh, the Skarsgård guy, and he's just he doesn't say anything except he asks for Henry. And then once he asks for him, that's all he says. But he's obviously supernatural because at the end he escapes. And kills all these people in his way, and that's it. Um, there's some weird stuff about a chick who sees Henry and is like, "Oh!" And she she times herself to smell a shirt. So we don't know whose shirt that is. If it's going to be uh, this mystery man's shirt, oh God, wouldn't it be wonderful? It was Randall Flag? Oh, if only, if only it was Randall Flag. Had a Randall Flag moment there with that mouse coming up to it. Um, it reminded me of you know the stand when. Randall finds his number one man. Anyway, 
So, yeah, it's okay. But at the very, very end, you see that, oh, turns out that the warden, even though he, uh, by the way, the most creative suicide I've seen depicted on television, if probably, I thought it was interesting, where he, to make sure he did got the deed done, he, like, you tied the noose on him and everything. It was just really weird. I'm sorry I didn't warn you on trigger on that, but, you know, there's a warning at the beginning about triggers, so... But anyway, he did, so he does that. He offs himself, and then, but he had told this guy, when they find you, ask for Henry Matthew Daver, and that was the end. And that's how it ends, so we'll see uh, how far it goes into this. Please let it be Randall Flagg. I know it's not going to be, but I really want it to be Randall Flagg. Just a little quick check-in. I started the second episode, and I just have to say this before I forget. Um... Dale is, I guess, the name of the warden, and they're showing flashbacks of different things. But um, Henry went to Dale's widow's house and to talk to her, and he looked at the wall, and he's like, um, looking at the paintings on the wall, and, and she's like, "Do you are you admiring my husband's art?" And he's she's he's like, he painted these. She's like, "Yeah, he he could have been a professional." And then they show like this owl, and it looks so. <laughs> It looks not like a professional. <laughs> I feel like the prop man's like, oh, real quick, hurry, grab an owl. Just do it real quick. It just, it was just really funny to me. I'm so mean, I know. Um, also, the uh, hopeful Randall Flagg guy so far, that was just a hallucination so that he didn't kill everybody in the prison, so that's good. And also, um, I think that's all I can think about right now. They're starting to show some more of the history of Castle Rock and, you know, the body that the sh the short story that inspires Stand By Me was um, also in Castle Rock. So they're just showing that Castle Rock's had problems for a long time now. And they're showing just little tidbits here and there. And they're probably things that have been mentioned in the stories and novels. He'll footnote them almost like, oh, remember that time that lady killed her husband with the the, the hammer or the the fork or whatever. So there's a little bit of that going on. But um, right now we're just kind of getting down to it. Um, for some reason, episode two is also called Habeas Corpus. So I'm not sure if that's like the name of the season or if it's just going to be give up the body for like over and over again. I do find it strange, but we will see what's going on and also he's a death row attorney Henry is in Texas as a death row attorney I guess he still has a dual license to um, be in Maine I guess we're not going to worry about the reality of how lawyers work but um, you can't just show up at a prison without prior permission you have to like set up an appointment they have so many rules you can only wear certain clothes certain colors um, like, they want you to wear, like, a white shirt. I mean, they're very strict. So him just showing up at this prison is just, I know it's fiction, but I don't know. And he shows them his driver's license, which isn't, you have to show them your bar card and your driver's license. I don't know why I care about that kind of stuff. But um, anyway, so he's sitting there. Um, before, in the very beginning, he, he, tried, he was an appeals lawyer, a death row appeals lawyer, which is a pretty hardcore specialized and intense part of practicing law okay these guys they live in the capital of whatever 
um, state they're in. Usually they, their office is there, and that's all they do all the time. There's like a certain procedure you got to do. I mean, it's just like step one through step whatever, 20 or, you know, 100, depending on how many motions. So it's very, very methodical, and it's very sad. It's a very sad part of practicing law. And, um, you know, I, I just it would be very stressful. So the fact that he's like more stressed out about coming back home says a lot. Okay. And also the, the warden's like, you know, this is Lily White Maine, you better might, might as well leave. And that goes to what we had talked about before. Um, person of color. They just, you know, Maine isn't really friendly. If you hear introduction episode, you can hear Mike talking about how he was treated as a, um, person of color when we visited Maine. Um, so at least they called it out and, you know, said it, just said it, you know. And um, and when his uh, prisoner dies and then, but then doesn't die or comes back to life and they shut the curtains real quick and kill her, um, you know, I'm not really sure what the law is in my state on that. I know that um, a lot of people, I think the rule is if they live, if they live, they they have to stay in life, usually, I think, is the thing. I don't know. There's been a lot of weird things like that come up. People say, well, if they are sentenced to death, then they automatically are free. So that's kind of a really rare thing that has happened, I think, a few times in history. Um, but they, I guess they weren't playing in this show, which who would? You know, this is fiction, and it's going to show um, darkness. So I'm not surprised at that that happened, you know, but that's just my take so far, and I will uh, keep watching and come back, and I know there's no pauses, but I'm just going to do it anyway, let you know, so at least you know there's a transition of why I'm coming back out of nowhere talking about uh, something out of out of nowhere, so, and I'm still hoping this is Randall Flagg, even though I'm sure it's not. Okay, so I just finished watching the second episode, and now I'm on the third episode, but I haven't started it yet. And it's called Local Color, so I wonder if that has something to do with him, the main character being a person of color or something like that, or if it's just, like, you know, local. I don't know. They brought it up. I'm not trying to say one thing or the other. The issue was brought up by the show. Okay, so the only thing I know at this point is that I don't think it's probably going to be Randall Flagg, but this Bill Skarsgård, which I hope I called him Bill earlier, not Alex. But anyway, Bill Skarsgård's character is some mystery devil person, and uh, already it's looking stupid, okay? So I'm hoping it comes back better. Um, he gives some guy cancer, like all cancery, for attacking him, and uh, he's going to maybe make contact with the lawyer, uh, and we'll see what happens. It's just not looking good. Now, um, Melanie Linsky's playing a character, and I didn't catch her name yet, but uh, she was really interested, and they seem, make it seem like she's a stalker. As Since she was a child, she lived next door to um, Henry, and they seemed to care about each other, and they're making her out to be a stalker because she was always watching him and everything like that. Which makes me wonder, was that his shirt she was smelling? She has set a timer on it. But now it's coming out that she is, um, she's got a shine. So she's a, the shining person in the stories. 
So she says she's an empath, but it's probably more than that. And she's taking half a pill of some kind of maybe opioid or some kind of narcotic. I don't know. A blue pill. Not sure. But it blocks or muffles down the voices. And um, she's saying that she's not a psychic, but she's an empath. But if she's hearing voices, um, I think she's uh, underestimating herself. But and by voices, I think she's hearing people's thoughts or hearing things about people. So we'll, that is the only thing that's kind of interesting me at this point. Because I just do not, I'm not enjoying this so far. And um, I have a feeling that there was a reason why there's only two seasons. So this has kind of morphed into a watching party. So um, at this point, stop what you're doing and watch season one, episode three with me. And we'll pick up from there. Okay, so I finished episode three, which was called Local Color. And it was about, the the local color was about um, the plan to bring some new growth into Castle Rock. Because like I said, it, prisons tend to kill a, a, a town. That's why they usually are out in the middle of nowhere. Especially this place, which is, you know, got supernatural elements, but also, I mean, everybody who works, everybody, there's no other job, basically, working at the prison. So, the, she, that's, Melanie Linsky's character was trying to bring in some local color. So, she was, she's a real estate agent. She has a development plan, and she is taking, she has The Shining, which is what I call the psychic ability in Stephen King's world, um, Mike calls it the line, but I call it the shine. But anyway, she has this empath. She says she's has this. She's an empath, but I think there's more to it. But empath would probably be the best way to describe it because she goes on. She takes half these pills to block out the voices. Well, she had been watching Henry for years, and the shirt she takes out and smells it. It turns out it was her flannel shirt she wore the night that she pulled the plug on. Henry's dad, who was on life support after being found at the bottom of a cliff, and then Henry had been missing. That's like the whole premise of this, the beginning of the story. So we don't know if she really did it or not, or she, because she is such an empath, it could have been someone else was doing it and she felt it, like she literally did it, or she did it because that was what somebody wanted her to do, wanted to do themselves, and she she acted it out because she's so connected to Henry. It could have been his wishes, or it could have been that um, she did it and doesn't know why, or she did it. There's obviously something going on, and she didn't just do it. But anyway, um, also, she is wearing sunglasses all the time. It's like her way of trying to block out all the voices. And uh, she runs out of pills. She runs out of money. She gets arrested because she goes out and sue a weird trailer park where all the kids are like, all our parents are in Castle Rock. So it's some weird, like, pretend court situation where there's a judge and they're all wearing paper mache masks. And it's just really artsy. And I'm just thinking, these, ki these kids in this trailer park are not going to be doing something this highfalutin. Um, you know, it just it was just too much. I mean, I know Castle Rock is weird, but come on. I mean, it was like a it was like an art project, like a kind of like a really well done paper mache mask. Like it's like an artist's wet dream. I just do not think these kids have got it in them. 
And uh, it was just too much of a cliche. Like, my dad's in, in prison. Bury me. I mean, it's just stupid. I'm sorry, but it was stupid. But Melanie Linsky seems to be saving the show a little bit. Um, and they're turning Alan Pang, Pangborn into a real creep. Apparently, um, it comes out in episode seven, uh, episode four. It comes out some more stuff about him, but they're just painting him out to be a creep. He tells the warden, you know, don't ever let this guy see the light of day. Talking about the mystery guy that's being played by Bill Skarsgård and who has some kind of supernatural power. And in this episode, they're trying to get him scheduled to do uh, some kind of hearing, you know, we're talking about habeas corpus earlier, and now they're talking about, you know, the jails, I mean, the prison. Okay, jail is where you're held locally until you're convicted of a felony, or if you're convicted of a misdemeanor, you can you can serve your time in a jail. That's like a county jail. Prison is where you serve after you've been convicted, and it has to be a felony. I just want to point that out, because if people talk about going to jail and prison, they don't know the difference. Sometimes going to jail is a lot better than prison and vice versa. I mean, in real life, I'm not talking about Castle Rock, um, you know. But anyway, I've had people say, no way, I don't want to go to prison. And I've had people say, no way, let me get sent to prison and serve because I do not like it here. They have more freedom uh, in prison. But then some of the prisons are rough stuff. So it just depends on what level of security you, you know, in your record and just, you know, how you feel about it. Um, I've had several clients tell me, please, I'll die, I'll die first before I go back to prison. And I've even known of people who have, you know, uh, ended their life because they didn't want to go to prison. Not personally um, a client of mine, but I've, I know a uh, note of, of them through um, uh, people that I know. So, anyway, so there's just a lot of ideas about prison. Um, I know it's just one of those things. Um, obviously, going to Shawshank, or, yeah, I, I called it Castle Rock, didn't I? But going to Shawshank is rough. Um, I think no stretch of the imagination. So um, this is depicted as a very rough prison. Okay, so here we are. So now I'm starting um, episode four. So um, pause right here and watch The Box. That's episode four, which is... I guess a reference to the cage, maybe that they um, put the the mystery guy in. That I still wish is a brand flag, but I'm pretty sure it isn't at this point. So um, pause right here and then go watch it. Okay, so I've gotten through the box, and I guess the box is a, is a reference to. Um, so basically, Henry starts. Henry starts um, trying to piece together his life. He's trying to figure out what's going on, um, what happened to him. He wants to take his mom um, to with he, be with him in Texas. That's where he lives. Um, people say he killed his father. That's why he's got this bad um, rap around him that he's the one who pulled the plug on his father and that he pushed him and all that kind of stuff. He was like a child, so I think all that's kind of absurd, but of course that's how local legends start, isn't it? I mean, that really that stuff really does happen in real life. Um, doesn't have to be fictional. So people do start local legends about people, and sometimes they can't shake them, and that's why he left town. So, so far that's all we know he's done. It's only in episode four. So he starts looking into his past. He finds out, he goes up to 
find out some records about what happened. He realizes that the person who was um, got in trouble, um, all those records were se- were sealed off and unavailable, and so he ended up going to the house of the man that they suspected. Um, he asked his mom about it, and she decided. Uh, Sissy's basic, basic plays his mom, and he was basically like. We never talk about what happened to me. Why don't we talk about it? And so she did the classic. Um, she's obviously, she has dementia and, the, and everything, but she still has her faculties enough. She's not far progressed far in the disease enough. So she's, she can actually be present and con- converse, but then she might have bad times, bad days. And then there's also, you know, that sundowning where she's worse at night or whatever. So, you know, She's still there. Her character's still there, and that's an accurate um, depiction of the way dementia and Alzheimer's type stuff works. Um, it's not just black and white. You're not just like crazy all the time, and you're and or you know lucid all the time. You're, it's just a mix in between with uh, brain injuries. That's just the way it is with brain disease too. So she basically deflects and says, "Oh yeah, well how come you didn't, you're gonna put me in a nursing home in Texas?" You're going to take me out of a box in this house. Nah, 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 and say everything. So, you know, he had talked to Alan, and they're really making Alan into a bad guy. And first of all, it's so, apparently Alan's been having an affair with Sissy Spacek. It's implied they've had an affair their whole life. And as soon as, you know, he moved right on in after the dad was gone, and it was obviously um, secretive, but now that he's out, as soon as the son left, he moved right on in. And it's just kind of like, man, y'all don't do that to Alan. He's got, he was such a good guy. He's been a real dick in this, this show so far. And I know he might have uh, reasons to uh, fight, and I hope that they redeem him. But I can't believe Alan was one of the best characters. Um, even his stupid magic stuff is gone. And I just, it's, I don't understand. I don't know what they're doing, where they're going with this. Um, Alan knows about this weird devil child person that's now Bill Skarsgård and he's like don't let him out so something's going on and we don't know what it is yet but the box refers to this little box that um was outside of this man's house that Henry went out to um he's got a French name I can't remember he went out there to meet to look around and he found a shed that looked like a box and it it was padlocked and he kind of was freaking out over it because he'd been having flashbacks and he busts open the external padlock, and he sees that there's, like, a bowl with food. And he starts thinking, you know, is this where this jerk kept me or whatever? And then he went inside that, um, snooping around, and the guy came home, and he found out he had the records because he said, I want to see what they did about me. And all he says is, like, I never touched you. You know that, right? So it's like, does that mean he had them? I think it does. So not sure what's going on with that. And then uh, they're about to do the hearing and for Bill Skarsgård character. And they're going to get him out. And But this, they've already offered a settlement of 300000 The jail, the prison did. The warden did. And I thought it was so crazy. Um, I mean, that's the way people act and everything. But I just wanted to say that he, uh, the guard is trying to help him out. And I can't remember the name of the character, but he's the guy that was in Shameless. He's one of my favorite actors. He was also in um, tw- uh, Twilight movies as one of the original vampires with his white-ass hair. It was pretty funny. But anyway, he's uh, 
he's the guard that's the whistleblower. So I think he was due to get some money as a whistleblower due to statutes. And he was going to get it. He said, hey, dude, we're going to get out of here. Me and you is our last day, blah, blah, blah. Well, Henry pulls the plug on it at, at this point. Um, I have five minutes left. So I wanted to uh, touch base because I think that's what's going to happen. But he pulls the plug and says, I'm just going to take the settlement. Y'all, you cannot take a settlement for your client. I know everybody says they can or whatever, but it's against, um, not that Henry may be Mr. Perfect practicing law, but the uh, the defendant, the client, the person, has um, he would be the uh, plaintiff in this type of case if he's suing, going to sue. They take a private settlement. He don't even have to... Uh, you know, file anything. It could be all hush-hush. It can be sealed off. That's fine. But he has to sign. So the fact that out, that uh, Henry's like, we're taking the settlement and running without even talking to the guy, that can technically happen. But at the end of the day, he would have to sign something. So I just want to point that out. I don't know why I'm being so lawyer-ish -ish with you guys, but it's just like, this stuff like this drives me crazy. This is why I never can watch I can never watch these types of shows, the lawyer, cop shows. They drive me crazy because I know the law and, and the Constitution. It drives me crazy. Okay, so um, that's my check-in, and um, I watched the last five minutes, and if nothing else substantial happens, then I'll see you in a minute. Damn. Those last five minutes were quite substantial of episode four so we didn't start episode five yet so alrighty then I love that actor he is now dead they just he just uh the vision he had had a couple episodes ago where he thought everybody was dead and he came freaking out and the scars guard was staring at him up close to them in the wind in the uh, monitor and uh, it all turned out to be a hallucination well it was a foreshadow it was a vision of the future because when he decided that he wasn't going to be able to testify after all and be the whistleblower because he was so sick of the prison and how evil they were in this prison, okay? I'm talking about this fictional Shawshank prison, okay? Um, and so he just, like, lost it. He, he loaded his gun, and he, sh he shot all the guards that were seen. He shot guards only. He shot all the guards all the way up to the uh, warden's office, and then he looks at Henry and says, I want to testify. And then they, the, uh, I guess, I don't know, it's kind of like the squad guys come in and throw one of those smoky bombs down and, sh and kill him, and he dies. So he's gone. That's sad. But that stops the settlement from happening, and I'm about to start episode five of season one called Harvest. So we'll see what happens. That was pretty amazing so far. Something finally kind of happened. Even though I still hate all this jail prison stuff. Sorry. The lawyer. Defense criminal lawyer within me cannot barely stand it. But that was interesting. I hope that never happens in real life though. Okay. So I just finished episode 5 called Harvest. And basically, um, I don't know what happened with the hearing and the settlement. All that kind of just got blown away because of what happened with the guard that... Um, killed all the other guards so that just kind of got blown away but eventually he did, um mystery man did get released and 
they're trying to find a place for him to stay. So first they take him. First he um, Henry reaches out to Melanie's character and she puts him in one of her empty houses. And then she comes back. Of course, he's wandering the streets and not listening to everybody's pain, hearing things about Gordy, which may be the Gordy from Stand By Me. I don't know. Then he's walking around. He can hear everything. He can feel all the pain of everybody. Um, also, there's some wildfires nearby that are um, making people leave their house. And so he had earlier in an early episode said, has it begun yet? That would be the mystery man says that. And so I'm thinking maybe this, the wildfires are connected to it. Um, they're showing a lot of flashbacks about um, basically the mystery man is trying to remember who he is. And I'm just not sure what's going on. I'm just not sure at all because um, it's confusing. He's acting like you don't know who he is. And then when people talk to him directly, he's like, yeah, X, Y, and Z. So it's just kind of goofy, but basically, um, Sissy Spacek, her character, that's Henry's mom, Henry installs this uh, alarm system on the house, and of course, Alan's like, nee, 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 why don't you just put a chip in it, me, me, me. Well, then she goes during the, uh, some ceremony, I guess it was, there was a funeral for all the cops, I don't know if Alan was speaking at that or something else, but she goes and freaking jumps off the bridge in the middle of town up in the hospital of course Henry jumps in the water after her but it's just like oh who needs a chip okay so he's just like really bitter and mad because he's like I've been waiting 30 years for the woman I love and he confronts mystery man who ends up spending the night in the cabin outside of uh, Henry's ha um, family home and he's just like you know who I am fucker you haven't aged a bit but yet the woman I love is falling through my you know hands are you the devil and Mr. Man's like, no, I can help her, though, you know. And he's just like, I don't know. He's kind of like, you don't know at all what's going on here. So I'm just thinking, but this is just so annoying. You know, they're showing flashbacks of the uh, warden. And then Melanie Linsky is saying that he feels wrong because she can't get anything from him except he's like a conduit for all the pain in town. So it's like, is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? Is he, he's not the devil. That's been confirmed. And um, still hoping he's Randall Flagg, even though his brother played Randall Flagg. I wouldn't be against him playing Randall Flagg as well. We can keep it in the family. Uh, so that's it so far. Um, it's kind of getting good finally, but we'll see where it goes. Because uh, Henry's character is starting to really get on my nerves. And then, of course, Alan... Is just so annoying. He's like, I can't remember the face of my dead wife, but I'll never get your face to the mystery guy. And I'm just like, dang, Alan, why'd you turn into such a dick? Uh, you were such a good guy. And he even said something like, I used to want to be a magician, and but you got to be able to tell a story to distract them. I never could do that. I'm thinking, well, you were a pretty good magician when you ran um, Leland Gaunt out of town and was like, devil, be gone. And I love how everybody's acting like, Oh, yeah, you know, that time we all sold our souls and the town was burned down. I mean, people, I know that's part of the magic of these towns up there, these fictional towns, is that, like, nothing ever happened. But Alan remembers it, so why is he acting all stupid? Like, how can he go on living a normal life and acting like, you know, everything's cool when he's met, like, Leland Gaunt and he's met, um... You know, the 
alter ego for in the other half and he's met I think he's yeah I mean he's he's been in it's been at least a couple of stories and he's and he's dealt with all these creeps and supernatural things so why is he acting all stupid now so and I just would love to see if he was he probably will make a deal with the devil since he's turned into a total um unredeemable character but we'll see so I'm about to watch uh season season one episode six um it's called Filter, so we'll see. Hope you're enjoying this watch party of Castle Rock with me, Serena. Okay, so I just finished episode six, Filter, and it was interesting. So Filter is in reference to what happens at the end when Henry meets um, these strange people that in the woods that he had been he saw there at the funeral of his of his father when they exhumed his father's body and reburied it properly. Which, by the way, that's another, like, uh, Alan Payne, Payneborn being a jerk. He just, like, paid um, money to, uh, he just let somebody pay money to, the, to uh, move the body of his rival, basically, because he was in love all those years with uh, Molly, which is uh, Susie Spacek's character. And, um, anyway, so... Um, okay, so I've decided that it's probably not Randall Flagg, but I want it to be, so I'm going to call him Schmandel Snag. So Schmandel Snag has figured out that he has powers, or he's been, you know, just hiding it the whole time. But I think there was a moment where he said, I remember a couple of episodes ago, so anyway... So basically, he tells he had told Alan that he could help him, and then when help when he comes back, he says, um, he comes back and it turns out that he didn't help. He's like, "Why'd you let me stay in that prison all those years, or let me be in that box all those years?" So, um, definitely, uh, Schmandel Snag is in full of force and effect, and the whole thing about the filter is just basically, um. At the end, when he meet, uh, Henry meets those guys in the woods, they're like, you hear that ringing in your ears that, that's been going on the whole show. He's like, that's the sound of, I don't know, was he saying the schism or something like that? Anyway, it's just this big, basically, like, it's louder in some places. It's little loud here at Castle Rock. That's why there's so many weird things going on, is where I guess they're going with this, where all the parallel universes, which, by the way, Stephen King does have the parallel universes as part of the Tower um, series, so... Um, that's something that is very interesting, but at the same time, I feel like they're just biting off more than they can chew in this episode. I mean, in this whole series, because if they're trying to do this, it's just too much. Um, this is like, you need a master class on Stephen King to understand all the weird parallel universe physics weirdness that he gets into theme-wise in his books. And I just don't think that a series can cover it properly. But yeah, so they um, say... We correct ourselves so we can actually hear it properly. By deaf, we become we made ourselves deaf, and I'm about to make my protege deaf. I got this box that filters out all the noise you can just hear the true sounds of the um, universe, the multiple parallels, um, parallel universes or dimensions, whatever you want to call them, are trying to correct themselves and bend against each other, and that's what the sound is that you're always hearing. That's this is where uh, your father, you know. Um, he uh, believed in God and thought it was God that did it. 
And then this guy's like, I'm a scientist, so I'm not all, all about the God part, but I do believe this is a real thing. So you can get the box you want to, and all that ringing will be, everything will be filtered out, and you'll just hear the truth. And he, um, Henry turned him down, but then he locked him, his, the deaf guy locked himself inside of it like a vault and said, I'm, you know, because he's about to make his protege deaf, which is just, I guess there's, I think maybe, I don't know how he does it, but obviously something's happening in the box. I didn't see any instruments. Maybe you become deaf from hearing. I think he had alluded to that, so maybe it's going to get turned up or something. I don't know. But I will say the big major re re revelation, because that's not really relevant to this series yet. It's just kind of something they're introducing. But what's really relevant to the series that they're talking about is where, um, is it Molly? Maybe Molly's the other chick. I don't know. I can't keep up with her names. Um, Melanie Linsky's character. Maybe she's named Molly. Anyway, she um, she confesses that she that she knew that that they're kind of connected and uh, to Henry, and that they're basically she's like the ultimate psychic stalker. She said, "I don't know if I did it or if you did. It was like a dream, but I I pulled the plug on your father." And he's like, "No, that's impossible. My father died in Virginia." He's like, she's like, "No." I did it. It was like a dream. I didn't know I was doing it, but I did it because it's what you wanted because I can't control it, which had happened earlier when she decided to speak on the television show and she said what Henry was feeling and didn't even remember doing it instead of talking about her. Um, she became kind of like a conduit. So if she's an empath, she is a conduit, then she's going to act out other people's feelings and emotions. She says she can block most people out, but she can't block Henry out because of their weird connection. So I'm not really sure. Anyway, he gets mad because he's like, you're crazy. You're saying you killed my father. And he just kind of left it there, and then he ran off in the woods. So um, that's it for now. So I'm going to watch episode 7 now called The Queen, and we'll check back in. I hope you're enjoying this listening party for Castle Rock. Okay, so I just finished watching episode 7 of season 1 of Castle Rock, and it was called The Queen, and it featured Sissy Spacek's character um, and her dementia and how she loses time and place. And I don't know, and I'm saying this with just being very cautious, I just don't know how, how dementia works. I don't know if they're in flashbacks or if they're like literally... Doing that, so that might be the way it works. I'm I'm not going to speak to that, but her grandson told her that she's going in and out of time, and she says she leaves the chess pieces in the room to remind her if it's real or not. So um, that's kind of a good trick. And uh, her grandson said, "Well, you're just a time walker, and you need to be um, totally aware of your situation." So she throws away all her sedatives. Well, this is the point where. And it's going all through her whole timeline, and it tells a story. And it's done really well because these timeline flashback things, they're very confusing. And, like, certain things that happen, you don't know what it means yet. So it takes a really strong writer to make this make sense. So this is very good. It was a good episode, even though um, I'm not liking the whole. So apparently, Schmendel Snag may or may not be her late husband brought back from the dead. Um, they do show that basically her late husband was a total religious, um, a-hole and had some brain 
trauma or brain disease and they thought he was crazy basically and he was like no I'm not crazy my mind is clear and I've been free but he also quotes the Bible and like a weird you know like only a true religious a-hole would do but I don't really like uh when people try to do the weird religious angle on people like when they try to bring Christianity into storylines um I really hate it, and I don't like Stephen King when doesn't do it too much. So I really wish he w this wouldn't do it in the show because it's so basic. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, what can I do to scare people? Oh, the end of the world, Book of Revelations. Well, it's like, think of something new, you know? I mean, Stephen King's like another alternate universe. He's telling these stories, and I just think the supernatural doesn't need all this stuff that people actually use to hurt and exploit and manipulate um, millions of people <laughs> through this false ideas. And I'm not saying Christianity is false. I'm just saying that people can use Christianity to hurt any religion. But, you know, Christianity is the one of the Western world. So I just think it's too easy. It's like a low-hanging fruit. Let's use Christianity and the book of Revelations, you know. Um, anyway... I'd rather them be like quoting Ben Franklin's common sense top uh, little sayings, like a penny saved is a penny earned before I'd want to hear, a f don't bear false witness, burr, 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 you know. But anyway, so um, Schmendel Snag is acting like he's the ex-husband reincarnated or whatever, but I'm just thinking maybe it's possible that he's just putting on that persona. So... Let's hope that's what happens and uh, shows her whole um, struggle uh, being married to a crazy person. It also shows that she's the one who wanted uh, her husband dead and the, do and the next door neighbor comes over looking for Henry and she's like, it didn't take, he's back. So um, the empath in her is so obsessed with Henry she doesn't even see the burning dumpster fire in front of her to save her which is I don't know it's just very confusing so anyway um, all this chaos happens this in and out of time stuff happens and she gets so confused that she ends up shooting um, Alan at the end and he's dead and that's just kind of where they leave it and of course you know at the end she's just doing another flashback so it's just it's very confusing and it's but it's also very interesting, and at the same time, it's very unfulfilling. So, checking all those boxes, aren't we? Okay, so I'm going to stop here and watch Season 1, Episode 8 of Castle Rock, Past Perfect. I hope you're enjoying this uh, watch party with me. I'm actually having fun doing this. Okay, so I just finished Episode 9 of Season... Sorry, Episode 8 of Season 1. And, I don't know, this, this, this show's taking a dumb turn. So, basically, even though Henry's mom killed Alan, they're blaming it on um, Schmendel Snag, who may or may not be Henry's reincarnated father. But then... He's also coming 
to uh, other people, like it comes to Melanie Molly is the character's name for Melanie Linsky, and he's like, I've been there, but you are wrong. Blah, blah, blah. So uh, I'm thinking that he is maybe the spirit of the woods. I don't know this. They're losing me on this. It's too, it's getting too deep, but it's not, it's like fake deep when you want something to be deep and you just like make up a bunch of stuff, but then you don't back it up. So it's not really deep at all. I don't know. So basically, like I was saying, so even though uh, Henry's mom shot Alan, Henry just runs off and leaves her by herself. He sends his son home on a, on a bus and his son is starting to hear this, the uh, ringing in his ears. So it, obviously whatever this, this sound of the universe um, is, he can hear it too. And um, I'm not sure if he actually left or not. Like, it's kind of up in the air. Maybe he went on the bus. Maybe he didn't. But, oh, well. We'll find out soon, I suppose. Um, there is a little sideline story about this couple that decides to move to Castle Rock and open a murder um, tourism house. And they're hoping to buy some bunch of houses and make the whole town into a tourism destination for murder. Um, you know, everybody loves... A lot of people like to listen to stories about murders and stuff. And so um, they're opening their first bed and breakfast, but the, the husband can't forgive his wife for cheating on him. And uh, this is supposed to be their new start, but they can't get to it. And then a couple, random couple shows up, and they're not even interested in the theme of the house. They're just wanting to be uh, together in their infidelity. They're married to other people. And so the guy just loses it, and he goes there and kills them, and the wife stands behind him, and helps them and so they had found a bunch of pictures of the bait in the basement this famous locked basement that everybody wanted to know what's in the basement it's like a thousand pictures of snandle snag at different angles and I almost wonder if Bill Skarsgård was like can I have one of those or did they just like auction them off or sell them or what it was kind of interesting but anyway some of those are pretty good you know, they said it could have been a professional painter. Yes, those paintings downstairs were in the basement were good, but not the uh, ugly um, owl from earlier, so I'm not sure what's up with that. But anyway, so um, they just keep losing it, and eventually Henry, who should be staying with his mom, or at least having somebody uh, stay with his mom, or maybe even put his mom in the hospital or in a, you know some kind of situation, there's you know, like a home health nurse type thing. But no, he's just like out roaming the streets all confused. And he decides to go look in the basement. After he talks to Molly, he goes down to the basement. And he finds all these paintings in the house. And then they try to kill the weird murder house people. Try to kill uh, him. And he gets out barely. And he's saved by the um, stoner chick that's friends with everybody that runs a taxi in town. And um, she had come there earlier and, and was suspicious when she found a bloody bracelet. So anyway, their their little story was interesting, even though it felt very much like American Horror Story a little bit. So I feel like this, really wish that this would stick to Stephen King stuff and not try to be something else, try to fit into a box to appeal to people. Stephen King is his own thing. You don't have to make it into some Stephen King's version of this or that. Let him be him, you know? So this season is getting kind of stupid. So 
Um, there's two more episodes, so I'm about to watch uh, episode nine, which is called Henry Deaver. Um, thanks for being here for my listening party of Castle Rock. Okay, so I just finished the ninth episode of season one, Castle Rock, called Henry Deaver. I hate this show. It's all, like, dimensions and one Deaver. This is one Henry Deaver for one gen- dimension was um, Schmendel Snag. And then the other Henry Deaver was the other one. And that's why he was missing no frostbite for 11 days because he was being held in the basement of the crazy mean dad. And that's why he hated him because he had false memories of him or from the other dimension. I don't know. Very, very annoying. It's kind of depressing because Schmendel Snag is just really Henry, and he's a genius neuroscientist-type guy that's changing the world for Alzheimer's forever, and now he can't do any better because he's stuck. So who knows how he's going to get back. We'll see. There's uh, one more episode called Romans, so we'll see. I'm about to watch it now. And I'm very annoyed and very not into this show. Goodness. All right, guys. Thanks for listening with my listening party. Stay tuned. Okay, so I just finished the last episode of that season one. It was called Romans, and it was talking in reference to a verse from Romans talking about the wages of sin is death. So I did backtrack a couple things that I might have said wrong during this whole thing because I was thinking about I hadn't listened back or anything I was just thinking about so um I think I had said Molly was Molly is a Melanie Linsky's character so I think I corrected that eventually um another thing that trying to think of the different things that I messed (laughs) messed up early on now, in an earlier episode, I will point out that when um, Molly was looking out of the window, she saw this weird, almost like, ghoul character. And you couldn't see it. It was like a distance. And I paused it, and I couldn't really see it good. And that is kind of like in reference to what happens in this last episode, I think. I feel like I need to go do some deep diving to see which stories or whatever is based on this season because uh I don't know I just need to know more because at the end it almost seems like it could have been Smendel Snag but anyway so all chaos is breaking out basically the idea is because you're in the wrong dimension you are chaos, like the dimensions can't handle you being in the wrong dimension. So like if you belong in dimension A and you accidentally go cross into B, all chaos will break out until you go back to A. That's basically the premise. Which, you know, that's a good idea. That makes sense. You know, put things back in their natural order. So Henry Matthew uh, Deaver? Anyway, um, he is supposed to be the kid. not sh- So that's who he's supposed to be. And he has this whole other life where he's doing all this stuff, right? That's, well, that was in the last episode. But all of a sudden, Chaos is breaking out. The, and I like to point out that his version of Chaos Rock was all beautiful and happy. And that brings 
you know, shows that because he's in this dimension, that's the reason why they're Castle Rock and Shawshank is going to hell in a handbag because he is there. Even though he's been locked um, underground, somehow it thwarts his bad juju a little bit. Well, anyway, the whole episode is basically showing how he can, if I can get you back to that spot in the woods, he sacrificed his life to come back to save the little boy in his dimension. And his punishment is to be stuck in this dimension indefinitely. No help, help save dementia or Alzheimer's. Uh, you know, n none of that. But then at the very end, he pushes um, Henry to go in the woods against his will. And they have a skirmish over the gun. And at the last minute, they both hear the, the sound of the ringing in their ears. But at the last minute, in a conversation, his, uh, the kid's face goes monstrous. So, boom, that's it. A year, and then it shows a year later where Henry's now um, doing attorney work in Maine again. And then it did turn out he did kill his father. He pushed him off the cliff, and then the you know he was paralyzed and on life support. And then Molly finished the job because that's what people wanted. And her she impact she's an empath, so she did it. And uh, he was an evil man. Um, the father was an evil man and crazy, and he was going to kill her for having. He was going to kill the mom for having an affair with a pain with Alan. So I just don't get it. I really hate that one, they made Alan into a really bad guy. And then another thing they had alluded to at the end was that in this dimension, I like to point out, in this dimension um, was not the dimension of needful things because they're talking about Wilma Jersnick, her property line at the very end. That means she's still alive in this timeline or this uh, dimension. Therefore, that, maybe that's why Alan wasn't so crazy with uh, all the supernatural things because he never dealt with. Um, I guess he had never had all that stuff. He was never dating um, Polly as he did in Needful Things. He never dealt with Leland Gaunt. He was not really a magician. That Maybe those were hints he was drawing because he said, I always wanted to be a magician, but I never could in his speech. So I guess that means the other Alan, the Alan that I like, who is not a total dick, who did not, even though he hated, he, they just moved the, his ex's rival to a potter's field. I get it. He was a jerk, but I'm just saying. It's just like, it just not that was just not our Alan for needful things, okay? But anyway, so at the very end, uh, Henry now has the the kid in the box. So, and at the and he leaves and he smiles all creepy. So maybe he is Snandle, Snandle Snag, Schmandle Snag. So there's that. Um, I don't know. Boo! Do not like. Do not recommend this series. Except it has little things here and there. I feel like I need to do some research. If I find the stories it's based on, obviously I'm going to read it and do a podcast on it. But this has been the, uh, the listening party for season one, and I'm going to wrap it up. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. If I mess things up, I'm sorry. 
Um, I think I know for sure I did mess up a lot of things because I, you know, didn't catch it with like a lot of things. The big reveal makes all this stuff make sense. So if I mess things up during it, sorry. Oh, and the very last thing was Jackie Torrance is in, is uh, going back to where everything started. So the question is, is she, is she Daniel, is she Danny's daughter? Like as in Jack Torrance's granddaughter? There's that. So, and she was the one that was like, they intervened a lot and drove the taxi around, so I forgot to mention her, that her name was Jackie Torrance, which I thought was just giving a nod to it, but now I realize it's another dimension, and it all kind of makes sense. All right, then. Thanks, guys. See you later. Okay, guys, I'm back. So I decided to do both Season 1 and 2 um, listening parties. So I just finished Season 2, Episode 1. And this one is about, uh, it says misery has arrived is the big preview. So, um, like I said, this is an alternate universe where these things are set in present day. And um, the characters are co-mingling in a way that they normally would not. And so we got um, Miss Misery, you know, um, arrives as Annie Wilkes. So Lizzie Kaplan is playing her. So um, I do not like Lizzie's Lizzie Kaplan for this role, but she did, she's, she's done well so far. Um, I don't know something about, it's like she's in everything. So I'm not sure if she's the right one for this, but it will unfold. She's done good so far. So she, um, it starts out with her driving around the country with her daughter and I have not read misery, so I do not know the backstory. Okay. So, um, she's driving around with her daughter for probably about a year, I want to say, or a couple of years because her daughter was really little. In the beginning, so I guess it was years of them um, traveling around. Well, she uh, has to get uh, mental health medicine, but she doesn't want to go to a doctor. And plus, she, I don't know if she is a nurse. I think she was a nurse, but I'm not 100% sure because I haven't read the um, book Misery. But I think she was a nurse. I think that's the backstory of that character. Anyway, she has figured out how to dose herself exactly, and it's a controversial, unorthodox way. It's nothing bad. It's just that she's figured out the exact percentages of this drug and that drug. So what she does is she goes from town to town um, working as a nurse. She works there for a little while with fake IDs, and then she um, steals her medicine as, as needed, and Things are getting, of course, nowadays is getting more and more intense, of course, but she um, she's still continuing her journey, and they're singing this, like, happy, lovey, dovey song, but then it shows that the daughter's discontent because she's a child. She was okay with it, but now she's a teenager, and she's, you know, wanting to set root, put roots down and have friends, and she sees girls playing, and she's like, man, you know, you can tell that's what she's thinking. She doesn't said at that moment but it comes out later well her um so they basically get lost and end up in castle rock and they um see something in the road or something and they get in a wreck and so um in order to fix her car she has to wait a, a while and earn some money so she starts working um they're living in like a little trailer park that is owned by ace merrill so obviously given that this is present day set 
Um, Ace Merrill died in the 90s, the early 90s um, in the book, uh, Needful Things. And then Pop Merrill is there. And Pop Merrill died in, even before Ace Merrill, so like the late 80s, early 90s. Because if you've read Sundog, then you know that Pop Merrill died in Sundog. So this is definitely an alternate universe of these characters. Um, so I can't remember... There's another, there's a, so the story between Ace Merrill, and he's obviously, any incarnation of him is, he's a jerk. So, he um, provides free Wi-Fi, but he he says he rides on. So, he ends up um, bringing his own demise down. But first, let me backtrack. The backstory with him is that he has, um, Pop Merrill has, has a, excuse me, has an adopted um, son and daughter from maybe I don't know from Africa I don't know where they're from exactly and Ace um, they the Ace runs sells land he runs properties um, he works with Pop but Pop also has these kids and um, he's allowing he's building this um, adopted son is building. A, like a mall or something like that to compete with. And now Ace runs some malls and properties too. And his tenants are leaving to join this new mall. So basically saying, you know, my family member is working against me. So they have this tension. Well, um, the brother is running property and Pop supports them. And he's trying to be neutral, which is definitely not like Pop because Pop's a bad guy too. So we'll see how they um, end up with this version of Pop. Well, anyway, um, the boy's sister is an is a doctor at Castle Rock's hospital, and she notices that uh, Lizzie she finds her trying to take medicine, and she basically confronts her and says, uh, "I need. Are you trying to steal narcotics?" And she says, "No, I'm just trying to take my actual prescription." And then she explains to her her unorthodox um, use of mental um, health meds to get the right amount because she starts having delusions when she runs out. Um, anyway, so she had broken into the doctor's home and stole her card. And somehow, I want to say that, and then Ace like throws a like a Molotov cocktail into that house and burns it to the ground just as she's leaving. She saw what he did, but she, um, so basically Ace knows that she saw it. And, uh, anyway, so the doctor offers Lizzie the chance to continue. She says, you're a good doc. You're a good nurse and I need all the help I can get. And now that I know that you're not trying to steal narcotics or opioids or any kind of addictive medicine, I'm going to write you the prescription and allow you to stay. And, of course, the idea is that nurses with mental health problems um, can't have their license, I guess, is, is maybe a back thing. I don't know anything about it. I do know that if you have, like, paranoid schizophrenia, you probably would disqualify you from uh, being a nurse or having a security clearance. I, I don't know specifically, but I can imagine something like that would be a problem. But anyway, so she uh, they come to kind of a resolution, so... Um, Annie's super happy. Her daughter has made friends in the trailer park, and so they're having fun, and she's kind of uh, befriended a, a young 
person. I don't know. They might be non-binary, so I don't want to, like, label them. But um, anyway, so she kind of has a crush on this person, and they seem to have a friendship crushy thing happening. So they're just happy. And then so um, Annie comes home and tells her daughter, great news. We're going to stay. And so her daughter's so happy. And then she says, I'm going to get some ice cream for us later. And she comes back uh, home. And the daughter hadn't got home yet, but Ace is what is waiting for her there. And this is probably one of the most, oh, my gosh, moments uh, I've seen in a while of these things. Um, it kind of reminded me of Pan's Labyrinth when she the bad guy finally got his throat cut and everybody screamed in the theater because we were so over him. Anyway, um, so Ace is waiting for her, and he's like, I know who you really are. I know you're Annie, and uh, I know you saw things, and he's basically... Uh, trying, I don't know if he's going to blackmail her or what his uh, end game is, but he's giving her some shit. Well, he don't know who he's messing with. She is, had just made ice cream, and she had the ice cream scoop, and she, like, looks at him like nothing and just, like, shoves that ice cream scoop in his throat and kills him with it, like, kills him with a spoon. And Ace is dead. And she's over, you know, she's gotten rid of that bad guy. And it was just like, oh, my gosh, it happened so quick and out of nowhere. You're just like, man, this chick is a deadly assassin. So she gets rid of his body. I think she throws it in a lake. And, of course, the whole time, the whole time, the delusions that she's been fighting are these memories of a bloody um, typewriter or a bloody body and a bloody typewriter. So she's just, like, thinking and thinking and thinking. She can't stop about it. So that's how the first episode ends. And I'm excited to see how it's going to carry on because, you know, Ace was accused of burning down that guy's house. That guy was accused of doing something to Ace. And so we're going to see now. Ace is gone. So we're going to see how they pick up the pieces because they'll probably assume he skipped town because he burned down his uh, family members beautiful two-story house so we will see i'm going to check out um episode two of season two and please enjoy this watch party with me castle rock okay so i already was like i don't like the show i'm not feeling it uh but then this second episode uh, changed my mind a little bit we'll see so um all the characters, things are kind of slowly unfolding, but basically the aftermath, the show starts with the aftermath of her um, killing Ace, and she puts his body in the site of New Jerusalem, which is what the um, Abdi is building, and so that's Pop's adopted son, and his sister is, I think, Julia? But anyway, um, that's his sister, that's the doctor, that's helping out um, Annie. So, basically, she falls down into a, a like, pot, like a pothole or sinkhole type thing. Not a pothole, a sinkhole. And she slides into this underground um, tunnel, and she follows it and ends up in the Marston house. Okay, that's like Salem, Salem's Lot. So that's why they're calling it New Jerusalem, because um, it was Salem's lot, or Jerusalem's lot. But anyway, so he's building this new place, right, Abdias? 
So um, she gets, she sees two, like some squatters there, and she runs away. And she, and then um, the next day, well, when she gets home, she realizes she lost her necklace. Of course, they find the necklace um, in the the workers construction guys find the necklace the next day in the mud had been in the mud it was raining really bad but anyway so the next day they're working on it they find the necklace and they're like oh it's squatters again so they go up there to find the squatters and he finds uh, two burned bodies charred bodies okay and uh also pop merrill had been telling people that this house this town wasn't full of witches it was full of satanists um, when they were trying to give like this, let's add this to the uh, witch tour. Let's make our town um, a great tourist spot. Uh, there was like a little meeting about it with the city council trying to put more money into the PR for the town. So that goes to the the whole thing with the, um, the Marston house, okay? Because, you know, that's what they were. They were Satanists. And, um, you know, a lot of people say, well, it's just the occult in general. But I think it was pretty much shown that they were literally trying to be Satanist versus, which is weird because there's no mention of Satan or God, you know, it's just one of those things that they prescribe to. Okay, so Pop confronts Annie because the dog, because Ace's dog goes crazy. They see his his phone's still there, his truck's still there, his dog's still there, and uh, so they think, okay, he's dead probably or he's missing, and there's been this beef between uh, Ace and and Abdi, and so they, uh, Pop goes and confronts Annie because the dog's going crazy towards her house when his friend from the police force shows up to check on him and see he's not there, and that's when Pop goes to the hospital and confronts Annie. Of course, the daughter was mad, saying, I'm not leaving, and she trips and re-injures her hand, and they have to go to the hospital, and that's when uh, Julie is asking, the doctor's asking all these questions. Uh, when she gets the daughter alone, and so the daughter's like, "You've done something. We've we're, so, what are you running for? What are you hiding for? That type of thing." So there just seems to be all this stuff going on with, Aunt, like Annie's going to get revealed, and then um, when Pop Merrill confronted her, she made up a story about, "Yeah, he was there, but then he left," um, and so. She just she said and she said it was something about him throwing that you know Molotov cocktail into somebody's window because she had been hiding in the house when that happened and saw him do it, so she was able to use that uh, truth to spin a lie, and he she gave a description of Abdi. So Abdi gets connect, uh, kidnapped by Pops goons, which is the cops, and uh, he's just like, "You're gonna let me go, or I'm gonna tell her um, my sister what you really are." They're showing flashbacks of when the refugees hit town, um, and Pop was younger, and he was giving them all jobs and all rental spaces, and he also adopted, took who foster kids in, who he eventually adopted, and the I, the question was, you know, why was he doing that? They were killed in the war. Well, basically, it is impl- implied that Pop killed their parents in the war when he was in the whatever the army or whatever, and this is just like not Pop Merrill that I'm used to. Um, Pop has cancer and he's doing chemo treatments. So I'm not sure if he is trying to um, repent for his sins and all these things that he's done. 
or what because they still have rents they collect and I don't know and he show, he's even shown the infamous book and the question is is he still loaning people out money and being like a loan shark or is he actually just doing legitimate business and collecting rent and he requires the rent to be in cash because you know tax reasons so pop is like is he gone from being a bad guy to being kind of like a like a middle anti-hero type thing or you know almost like he's bad but he's repented i don't know we won't know for sure now there's a a dark figure that kills the guy who checks on um the marston house to run them out he has beetles around him there is he also shows up at around Annie at the very end of the show. So we got some possible vampire um, situation happening. I don't know. It's um, one of those things we'll have to figure out. So that's where we're at. Um, I'm about to watch uh, episode two um, of season, sorry, episode three of season two. So thanks for joining my watch party. Okay, so I just finished episode three and... I guess I forgot to say at the end of the last episode that um, Pop Merrill passes out when he's got Abdi held hostage and he was threatening him with Ace's dog. And um, anyway, so he passes out. Um, Abdi's able to get out of his situ- um, restraints and he puts the dog in. He makes sure the dog's put away in the elevator. And then he takes Pop to the hospital, and it turns out he had a stroke. And uh, the sister is saying, where is he and all this stuff. And I called her Julia, but I think her name's Nadia. <laughs> so, I don't know. Sorry. Anyway, um, so, yeah, she's just like, I can't get in touch with Avdi and all this stuff. He won't talk to me. And Pop thinks that um, Ace is dead, but then Ace turns up at the hospital at that moment and he just kind of cusses him and he disappears. And um, Annie goes back up to that house. She's got to check it out for herself. And she sees um, she sees Ace. And she also had, um, she saw uh, what the, the uh, Somalian guy that was sent up there. I don't remember his name because I don't know if he was named to check on the squatters. He, she uh, sees him, and he's all covered in this goo, and he's looking at himself like, like just in amazement. And it's almost, it's looking to me like possibly we have a, an outsider situation. Um, El Cuco, the ones that like transform, but I'm not 100% sure because the Marston house is full of um, spirits of the people who, who uh, burnt, built it originally so there's just a lot of history with um jerusalem jerusalem's lot so it's just hard to figure out exactly what the back who the bad is going to be she stopped taking her medicine uh annie stopped taking her medicine because she said that the doctor was trying to poison her so her daughter's forced to give her a shot a tranquilizer and make her take her meds she's spitting them out and the rats eat them and they die and um that's what and the daughter discovers that and she uh, confronts her mom and wants to know, you know, what is everything you've been lying to me about? Because Ace, you said he's dead and he's not dead, and you're saying he's after us, but he's not. So what else, you know, what's going on with this lot box, which I think has a typewriter in it? 
And she said, well, basically what happened is that your father didn't want you. He wanted me to kill you or get rid of you, I guess, abortion. And I didn't. And we're on the run because he's a very, very bad man. And he's it could be him now. The, doc, the door, somebody's knocking on the door, and it tur- turns out to be the doctor checking on her. And she's like, oh, Mom just has a stomach bug. Okay, bye. I mean, I'm simplifying it. But anyway, at the very end... Um, Annie had used her glass to cut her way out, and when her daughter comes in there to catch her, she catches her, and she accidentally slashes her arm with glass, so she just leaves and runs off. It's a horrible storm. Can't, no visibility, very loud, thunder and rain, and Annie finally gets out, and she can't find her daughter, and then she sees uh, this guy with a hat. The tall man is what he's being called, and he just says, you know, he appears to her, and she starts taking her pills, grabbing her pills off the floor and taking them, and she's, he says, you know how the story ends. You're going to kill her. So that's kind of where we're at, pretty much. And Ace, in this episode, um, is driving around, uh, acting crazy, and gets pulled over by a cop. That cop is later found in, in a bathtub covering goose, saying the car, um, when Ace takes a woman up there, as a real estate agent to look at the um, Marston house as a buyer, which is confusing because I thought that Abdi and his people owned it, like his business people, his uh, corporation, but I guess not. But anyway, so, because it's obviously still for sale, maybe. So, because um, the real estate agent is up there and he asked her this weird question about, are you still able to have children? She's like, uh, yeah. And then she goes upstairs and sees that guy in the in the uh, slum in the in the tub, and so I'm just thinking that I don't know. This might be a follower. I mean, an outsider situation. This might be um, a Hubie Marston situation. They're laying foundations for Satanism. They're laying foundations. Everybody knows that the Marston house is an evil place. It's where uh, reality is thin, and in general. If you know, there's a, a Jerusalem's Lot novella story in one of his collections. And uh, Stephen King talked, you know, had this really amazing backstory, like prequel to Salem's Lot, about um, the whole town being cursed, the whole area being cursed. And there was a, um, it was very much a um, story about them trying to open up another dimension and there's like a giant worm a gray worm I think it was called laying dormant and there was a really thin place there so they had a keeper watching over that and um, it's very like a, you know what's his name that does all the the inspiration for Hellboy and all that stuff um, anyway so I don't know there's a lot of options here so we'll see what they decide to choose um, and everything i'm about to watch season two episode four it's called restore hope so we'll see thanks for listening with me on my listening party okay so i just finished watching the episode five of season two and i don't feel like there's a lot to report it's starting to kind of slow down and drag out um which is what happened last season which is kind of like some of the books do anyway but basically pop merrill's having his um Wait, his traditional Irish wake with all his friends and stuff. There's like a coffin filled with beer. 
Um, he sees a kid uh, filling it up, a backpack, and he's like, are they under 14? Then go ahead, get more beer, and get out of here, kid. I mean, so apparently the legal drinking age for Pop is 14. All right, so during this uh, time, uh, Nadia has been looking through papers to find his form, his um, discharge papers, because uh, she has him signed up for a trial, an experimental trial through the VA, and she just needs to find those discharge papers, and then she finds out that he was in Somalia, and then she realizes that he was the one that killed the mom, and so that's the end of that. So she's pissed off and like, I never want to see you again. Don't call me daughter, all that stuff. So uh, then I think uh, the daughter, Annie's daughter, I can't remember her name right off the top of my head. I know she calls her um, love or something like that, or I can't remember. Uh, anyway, she, uh, her friend gets a uh, romantic interest slash friend gets a hold of her clothes in that lockbox, and she does get it open. She figures out it's Christmas and is the combination. She opens it. There's a gun. There's a license plate, and there's a disc with a, uh, like a CD disc of a manuscript of a novel. So that's what's been in that box. So she buries the gun outside, which I'm sure she'll end up having to grab later. And then that's that's the end of that a little scene for that moment and of course Pop Merrill has his big showdown um so Ace fake Ace and fake cop and then of course now the fake uh, le- real estate lady they all show up and they seem to like eggs which is weird so I'm not sure so they all show up to Pop's goodbye wake party thing and everything and Ace is acting kind of well he's acting like you know a body snatcher which is what he is and he gets his brother, Chris, to go off with him to the church. And he starts telling him this long story about this place has a deep history, which is weird because in this Jerusalem Lot novella, they're in a church, okay? And it's funny because they're calling and like, thanks, guys. Thanks for all my friends who came from the lot in the rock to see me. So I guess, you know. But anyway, so um, he takes his brother to the church and he stabs him. And he's like, you're going to be like me. Or something like that. And then he tries to get away. And uh, the priest was already taken. And he's been properly body snatched. So. Uh, but basically they were like. We've been here first. We were here first. There's people who. Um, they owe us this land. And we're going to take it back. We've been waiting. And now it's our time basically. So we're looking at multiple theories. We're looking at aliens. We're looking at beings like Pennywise. We're looking at vampires. And we're looking at the outsiders or El Cuco type people that um, change their body. So that's where we're at right now. Um, and Annie is still hiding out in her house, uh, waiting for him to come get them. her. I think that's pretty much what she was doing. And then that was it. Uh, she did try to go get Annie, her daughter, but the Abdi put a gun in her face. And I'm like, what is up with this gun happy show like Stephen King's putting his seal of approval on such a gun happy show after he pulled the rage and he did his um his essay guns and violence or whatever which I haven't read yet so I just think it's odd but okay so we're going to check out um episode five of season two which is called the laughing place and if you remember that's the name of the place where they're supposed to go to um and find their happiness that's 
her daughter promised her, like kind of like her promised land. So we're about to check it out. Okay, thanks for listening. Stay tuned. Okay, so I just finished episode five, and it was complete shocker. So basically, Annie and Joy are not mother and daughter; they're sisters, half sisters. And it goes into the story of how Annie's origin story about how she uh, was had issues with controlling her rage and stuff like that, and she got kicked out of school, and she was dyslexic, so she was picked on. Her father took 10 years off to homeschool her, and he also was a writer, and he, I wouldn't say he's a failed writer, I don't know, but anyway, he works with Annie, and she kind of helps him write the story. She corrects it. Um, and types it up into the computer, even though he types it into um, using a typewriter. But anyway, he finds a lady that will help him tutor her, or maybe the mom finds her, because she's like, you've had 10 years, go back to work at the bank. And so he ends up going back to work at the bank and finishes his book, and I think ends up getting published and... Or maybe didn't get published. I don't even know. He breaks up with his wife because uh, the tutor's pregnant. <laughs> so the t- so it's uh, Annie's sister, and her name is Evangeline. But in her, when Annie finds the truth that she kills her dad in a fit of rage, and she tries to kill um, the tutor lady, and I can't remember her now off the top of my head, but uh, she ends up killing, um, waking up and surviving, and now she's been looking for her daughter and Annie for 15 years. So, uh, when Joy finds this number, the name, sorry, the dedication page was the happy place. That's what set Annie off because they were talking about the happy place or the laughing place. So, basically, it says dedicated to this lady because she's my laughing place. And she got mad. And he's like, you can have more than one laughing place. But anyway, dun, dun, dun. They're both uh, out of the picture. And now Annie's been on the run for 15 years now. So, um, Joy is staying in a group home and they're trying to figure out if she should go back to her mom or not. She calls the lady when she finds her name on Facebook and um, she traces it back and hangs up after they talk for a second. Traces it back and goes um, out to see her in Castle Rock and now she's trying to track her down. So we'll see. Um, the episode 6 is called The Mother. We'll see what goes with that. Also, at the same time, Ace is continually building his empire of um, body snatchers, uh, and he's th- he's chosen Annie to be his, the replacement for the woman that he was in love w- with named Am- Amity. So we'll see about that. All right. Okay, so I just finished episode six. Now I'm about to watch episode seven called The Word. Episode six, basically... Um, Real mom comes to town, talks to Joy, who's really Evangeline, and tells her everything. And um, at the same time, this whole backstory is going on about the weirdo, vampire, wine-loving body snatchers, okay? And um, it's just kind of just going. And in the end, um, the... uh, real mother gets shot by accident by dropping her gun. She's about to shoot uh, 
Annie, and her daughter comes looking for her and grabs one of those um, emergency shots, gets her and makes her, drugs her, and then she drops the gun because she's, I guess, incapacitated. She drops the gun, it goes off, and she shoots herself by accident. But the police arrive, and then Annie takes, um, she takes credit for it so she doesn't hurt her daughter. So that's basically it. There, she was going to run away with her um, love interest. Uh, Joy was going to run away with her love interest to North Carolina. So that's kind of uh, was the plan. So she didn't want to be with either mom, but then she wanted to be with her mom, um, Anne, but not um, the other one. So just kind of like, meh, I'm really re ready for this to be over with because it's starting to get on my nerves again. Uh, stay tuned. I'm watching season Season 2, Episode 7, next. Okay, so I just finished watching this last episode, and it goes into the story of Castle Rock's foundations, and I'd like to point out in this universe, um, I didn't realize there was a group of French people up there in Maine, but there could have been. Um, they had some good actors, but basically in the 1600s or maybe, I think it was the 1600s, a group of um, peasants, whatever they were, French settlers, they were uh, living in um, bad times. Because, you know, in the 1600s, it was just, it was a, you know, kind of a rough time to be alive. But um, they ended up having plagues and the different things. And there's a young girl named Amity, Amity and she is the main uh, person that's been called a prophet this whole time as these um, body snatcher people are talking about what shows the backstory of her and how they figured out a way to save them. She meets an angel on a cliff, um, the same cliff that uh, was in chapter, I mean, season one of the, with the kid jumping off and at the edge of that. So it was that area um, overlooking that lake. So basically, she finds, she meets an angel and never shows his face, and they um, believe in the angel's advice and believe she's the prophet, and they do everything she says, and those that oppose her, there's like three of them. I think one of them was her father, possibly. Um, he, you know, they ended up burning them upside down on, a, on crosses alive. So, anyway... Um, you know, you think the girl might be crazy. You're not sure. I mean, they never show the guy's face, but they build this statue to him, and he just looks kind of, like, weird. It's hard to see um, what he looks like. And she's a very good um, an artist, and she can she burns um, the end of, of wood and makes little, like, charcoal-style drawings. So she's very talented, and they're able to create this, like, little utopia. But then it comes that it's time for them um, an adver adversity comes their way, and they're told basically by the angel that the only way to uh, preserve them from dying and all that kind of stuff and is to go into hibernation through um, swallowing these flying beetles. We've seen this whole time. Each person swallows a beetle, and then they, their throats slit, and they're laid to rest inside of... Um, these coffins underground and these underground tunnels under the area of Castle Rock. That, that's where um, Ace fell through with 
uh, Anne in the very beginning. Of course, when she went back there later on in an earlier episode, it was all sealed up. So she just didn't know what she saw. But anyway, so that's it. And she tells her lover, who is now in Ace's body, that he'll be the first to wake up and she has to find the angel. I mean, he has to find the angel. And she'll be the last to wake up and it'll be on the 400th anniversary of you know that and that was the town founding day as well so there you go so that episode is that background and also um annie and has a showdown and i'd said that with the uh her birth the birth mother of her daughter joy which is also really eleanor is that right eleanor anyway she um she gotten shot by accident and and Annie takes the blame, and they're told, okay, you know, we have the the lady that you've chosen to be the vessel. She is on a lot of medicine, antipsychotics, and that seems to mess with what they call the weaving process. Um, if there's any kind of psychiatric drugs used, so they're like, you know, we're going to have to de- detox her a great deal and all that stuff before she's chosen, you know, before we can have her ready. Otherwise, the process will um, be interfered with or slowed down, but it'll still go through. Um, anyway, and I think it's funny how they're calling all these um, mental health drugs uh, tainting and poison, considering that um, mental health is a very important thing and it's okay to have problems. And I think that it's interesting that that is a tainting, but yet all these other things, all the other chemicals and different contaminants that we're um, exposed to as humans now. I I think that's odd that they don't think that that's contaminant. Because I think if somebody came from the past to the future, they would probably um, get sick from all the chemicals and stuff we're used to eating. Just like if somebody went from our time to the past, they would immediately probably catch like smallpox and die within, you know what I mean? There's so many things that you just can't cross over like that. Um, Anyway... So, uh, that's kind of like that episode, um, and they, you know, it's the background history of, of that lady. It's very interesting, and the culmination is they go to Founder's Day Parade. It ends with them. Of course, Pop Merrill's running around like, what's going on? Because he finds out that she's, he's like, Ace is stacked up, is shacked up at the Marston house, which is cursed. And um, he had said that the people in the past are Satanists, not witches, talking about this group of people. And um, also, the uh, he found out that he'd gone to prison to vi- visit his dad. His dad um, had killed their mother, and that's why he, um, Pop Merrill, raised him. Because the mother, I think, was his sister, Pop's sister. And so he raised Ace, who was John, and Chris. Of course, Chris has been turned into a body snatcher by now, by the way. And so, um, yeah, so they're just like going to getting ready to go to this Founder's Day parade. Um, I think it's the eve of Founder's Day, and they had the parade, and they unveiled the statue of the angel, and everybody's just like transfixed, and um, they're in a, a trance staring at it the whole town. But Pop Merrill's the only one who's, like, not affected by it. And he's like, what's going on? I don't know if it's <laughs> they're going to say it's the chemo or if it's just because he's just not part of it. But when he had visited his brother in prison, he said, yeah, um, what was he up to? And he's like, I don't know. He told me that he forgave me and blah, blah, blah. 
uh, you know, I had been at a different prison, got transferred here recently. And so um, as, on his way out, uh, Pop asked one of the guards, you know, Pop's dirty deeds and he has connections and he's a little bit of a, you know, he's still a criminal even though he's trying to mend his ways. So he has one of the guards on the know and that's how he had found out about it anyway. And he asked that guard and he said, you don't understand he went down and he went down to see the cage, and the cage was empty. The clothes were there, all folded up, empty. He's like, it's still there all this time. And it was all locked up from the outside, and but yet the guy was gone. And I was like, wait, what? And it turns out that he went down. Pop goes and looks at the cage from season one, right from this um, Schnandel snag, and. Um, I was like, oh, what's this? So it's actually gotten interesting. And then the big reveal at the very end of it shows the guy who was wearing a robe, and you never see his face, pulls his robe off, shows his face, and it is the guy from season one, (laughs) Snandle Snag. So this is where it's getting interesting. So it could, I mean, there's everything pointing that this is a Randall Flagg situation. I mean, he's been called the devil before. He likes to end worlds. Um, but at the same time, it's just so confusing. So we're going to see what's going on with it. Um, you know, all the tricks that he's given them is very much like stuff he would do, but also this living forever type stuff. This is a little bit of outsider. This is a little bit of what Pennywise can offer people. Um, there's other beings like that. The people who do the steam forgot what they were called from Dr. Sleep. So there's all kinds of beings. So there's so many people who could be contenders for this. But if we're sticking with um, Castle Rock and Salem's Lot, then we're looking at vampires, and we're looking possibly at um, Randall Flagg just because he's always a troublemaker. And then we're also, we're not looking at Pennywise, but I'm still looking at, like, the outsiders type people and, um, you know, maybe in the family of these aliens that can make you live forever. So we'll see. Um, um, thanks for listening to the uh, watch party. We're about to watch the next episode. Okay, thanks. Hey, guys. So I just finished episode eight of season two, and things are getting pretty rocky pretty quick. Um, so <laughs> basically, Anne's... Um, psychotic delusions or possibly schizophrenic delusions and hallucinations and auditory hallucinations and visual hallucinations are getting more intense and she they're at the house for refuge and she keeps hearing her mother whisper her name and then finally she sees her mother and she keeps taking her pills so I think they might have mixed up her pills to make them because they were trying to trick her into thinking she was taking them and she was detoxing so I'm thinking that's what they did was switch out her pills but um anyway she keeps taking them and nothing's working now she's visually seeing her mother and she now her mother's telling her you need to um you need to make her clean they're trying to put something evil inside of her they're trying to put something uh for you got to keep her clean from this world or something like that something goofy and water comes flying out of the because you remember um, her mother tried to drive, well, she did drive the car when Anne was a teenager. She drove that car into the lake, and Anne escaped, but her mother died, and she was trying to clean the world, and she was going to, Anne was going to do the same to her sister. But then when the 
little baby laughed, she decided to save her life and save herself because she was going to kill the baby, then kill herself in the pond, just like her mother wanted. And when the baby laughed, she realized that was her joy, that was her happy place, and or laughing place, and that is why she decided to raise her as a daughter. So fast forward to now, Anne's having the delusion. She's starting to see her mother all wet and gross looking, saying, you need to... Uh, save her from this world. You need to clean her like I cleaned you. In other words, you got to find her and kill her. She sneaks down to the basement and sees um, a bunch of dead bodies, and she's kind of like, what the crap? And um, also at this time, um, Nadia was at the hospital, and Chris came in and tried to... Chris was at her house and had tried to choke her to death and take her to become one of the body snatchers and she fought him because she's a fighter man she fought him and she took him to the hospital and um she's like you're in a psychotic delusion and all this stuff and she gave him um some uh like a tranquilizer and valium or something like that maybe and that's the one thing that fights these things off so she's like he's like i can feel them in me it hurts really bad so that's like whoa they're aware i thought they just took their bodies and you know, does that person dissolve? So it's kind of horrible to think that they're in there suffering. Um, he's like, I know what his thoughts are. I know what he's going to do. And, of course, two guys come to the hospital. She finds the hospital is empty except from one old lady who's banging a bedpan on the side of her hospital bed because she can't get up. And she says everyone went to see the parade and never came back. So they're all, the whole town's in this um, mass trance being drawn into that angel statue, and they everybody hears something, but she didn't hear it. The old lady said, I didn't hear it. So Nadia um, hears some of the goons coming in with gut, two guys with guns, and they're like, let's do a clean sweep and kill anybody who stays behind. So I guess the implication is they're immune to the change, so they don't need them. And so she, uh, Chris was starting to, the, the effects of the volume was wearing off, so Chris was back to being evil uh, body snatcher guy again. We'll just call him uh, Pepe, since we know he's got a French-speaking French, um, heritage. So Mr. Pepe was, uh, guys, I'm in here, come get me. And so she rolls him around and gives covers his mouth, and they have a standoff, and she um, isn't able to save him. Um... I think that's what happens is she runs away and she is just kind of like, everybody's in shock. I think that's what happened with her. I'm kind of like, my brain went kind of up on that one. We'll find out in a minute. Okay, so we're about to watch season uh, two, episode nine, Caveat Emptor, which is what it says in Pop's um, Pop Merrill's store. At the very end of this last episode that I just watched, he showed, it flashes to Pop Merrill He's running away, and like I just want to know if um, if Pop if uh, Tim Robbins can actually run good, or he had to kind of like fake an ugly run because that was a pretty ugly run. Now Pop's supposed to be dying, so I'm thinking maybe he faked the ugly run, but he kind of was just like flapping like a bird almost. <laughs> he had a gun on his hip. I mean, the dude's like six four or something crazy. I don't know, but anyway, um, <laughs> so he was remembering all this stuff and thinking about it about um. Alan Pangborn and his his wife. I think they went off. I don't know where he went. Wait, let me think. You know, I don't even know. 
because th- I think in the last season they all died or something, but yeah. And then, um, who knows, but he was looking up these letters that Alan had from um, the, for some reason Pop had the letters that the warden sent to Alan, and he was reading through them, and it was showing drawings of, you know, um, the, de- the quote-unquote devil of Shawshank Redemption. Not redemption. There's no redemption in, in a devil story either. Shawshank Prison. You know, it just rolls off the mouth. Shawshank Redemption. Even though it really should be Shawshank Prison. <laughs> Alright, guys. So, that's kind of where we are. <clears throat> um, Anne was able to free Joy from the attic. They were escaping the house, and they went outside, and everybody was in this trance. She was... They were getting... Um, free but then the crowd started getting called towards the statue and they were walking and they got pushed by the crowd and um and got grabbed by one of the pod people in a sheriff's uniform and then joy was following blindly so it seemed like joy got taken so i guess because Anne has got all these antipsychotics in her system or some kind of medicines in her system she's immune and but joy isn't so and of course they've decided to make joy into um Enmity. Okay, so that's it. I'm about to watch season two, episode nine. Thanks for being in my party. Bye. Okay, so I just finished episode nine, and now we're about to watch episode ten, which is called Clean, which is obviously a reference to the um, issue with her mom, uh, Anne's mom, wanting her to clean her daughter like she, she should be cleaned. Okay, so this episode was very wild. Basically, it was a standoff between Pop Merrill and Nadia and Abdi and um, Chance and Anne and some mystery woman and Jerome or something. I can't remember. Some guy that worked at the hospital. Anyway, they um, versus the pod people. And so, uh, anyway, they wanted these letters that Pop had because he cleaned out the old house. It turns out that years ago, um, or not years ago, it turns out right when this all started, uh, one of the pod people, the cop one, went in to visit um, the warden's wife, blind wife, and he shot her and had her revived, and then he talked to her um, about the, I guess... The, what, about what she knew about the angel and the letters and she told him that Pop Merrill had him, the letters so he went. they went after him and uh, what he knows in the letters you know, he said well we don't have to have the letters we just need you, we're going to turn you into one of the pot people, so while this is all going on they figure out that I think is it Tyrone or Jerome or something see I've been reading too many, Jerome's from Mercedes I've been reading too many Stephen King books okay um, anyway they realized that that one guy that was a nurse was a fake pod person. And they uh, ended up um, tying him down and sedating him, and he wouldn't tell him anything. But then Anne went in there, and she uh, went off on him and stabbed him in, in the eyes with two ne- needles. Good times, you know. Anyway, um, they decide they're going to run away and blow the place up. Uh, they put bombs around all the windows and stuff. And um, they are going to blow the place up to make sure that if they come in, they'll, they'll get it or whatever. But anyway, the, everybody else runs away, and Pop 
stays behind, and then that guy gets in. I think his name is, gosh, it's not Armand, is it? It's something else. Something French. But anyway, um, he, uh, Nadia, and of course, I forgot to say that um, Chris did die. Nadia was screaming, and that's, you know, that basically she gets found by pop and saved and everything but anyway so that that, so we're all the way to the end of the standoff the nadia and abdi run away with their few survivors and they cross over the train tracks and they got 30 minutes of the train running non-stop so they don't have uh, 30 minutes before they can chase them and um a pod person goes in there and shoots pop in the head and that's where we're at now he tries to blow himself up but he can't so who knows what's going on but anyway that's where we're at now hopefully this will be over soon because i don't think i could take much more of this thanks for doing my, my listening party with me okay so i just watched the last episode of the show and i'm just like overwhelmed and weirded out but okay so um basically and i know i say basically a lot but i don't know what to think about it So, uh, chaos ensues. Um, Eventually, uh, they escape. Um, When everything everything happens, um, see, I'm trying to remember. Okay, so they took Pop Merrill and made him a certain way. He had grabbed a couple of those tranquilizer shots and put them in his pocket. He gave himself a couple of those tranquilizer shots right before the guy shot him, and he got turned. So when he woke up, it was still in his system. And I thought it was really funny because they had a coffin for him. And I looked online, and it says that um, that Timothy Robbins is like 6'7". So I'm glad to know that they just had like that giant coffin laying around, you know. (laughs) But anyway, so uh, he was able to seize some control and act normal um, when he woke up. But he knew he didn't have long, so he uh, goes downstairs with them to uh, search out to see because his two adopted children, Nadia and Abdi, are going around planting bombs in the tunnels because they're going to blow everything up. So they do that uh, with all the, you know, everybody's help. And, um, yeah, so Anne goes up to the house and is banging on the door. They got bombs. They got bombs. You need to let my um, daughter out. And she tells them. So they go downstairs to search out. And, of course, um, the uh, Pop Merrill says, I'll help. He grabs a gun, and he shoots both of the bad guys um, and says, hey, I got the tranquilizer right before I got um, shot, so that's why I don't have long. And he takes one of the bombs, and he's like, y'all run. Set these off. I'll give you the signal, whatever. So he um, he knows he doesn't have long and he handcuffs himself to the kid in the kitchen. So the guy can't run away and, uh, he's holding the bomb and they have the remote detonation with them. So Nadia and Abdi go off. Um, joy is outside with whatever that French pod person that's now ace is. She's wearing a weird wedding dress and they're standing over Amni's, um, grave. And she's supposed to be the last one to come. I think it's sunset or sunrise. Or something. Anyway, so it's about to happen, and that's when all the bombs go off. Two of them. There's three. One in the house, and then one in the tunnel, and one under that tomb where they're at. And they, um, it collapses down, 
and all these beetles come flying out these supernatural beetles right so i don't know if those were town people waiting to get um implanted to the new people or if that was just something that came with schmendel schmendel smag which um you know they they find out basically that he travels between these worlds so all that crap he did in the first season was a lie and he didn't have to be in the cage none of this makes any sense at all like I guess, you know, Randall, Randall Flagg, I'm sure this is Randall Flagg now. I'm just going to say that. If it's not, it's his twin brother, Snandle Snag. Um, anyway, it's just got to be him because he travels in between worlds. But I haven't read the Green Mile, which sees some of this is based off of. So what, I think the two dead girls is one of them. So I'd have to look at the source material. But um, I'm still hoping that it's, um, if it's not Randall Flagg, it's, um, one of the definitely one of these workers for the tower and for the red the crimson king so um yeah because he's bringing chaos and i'm not really sure what the end game was but you know he always starts shit and most time he's under someone else's orders he's allowed to have some fun as long as he follows uh the big guy's orders but you know he doesn't really like the big guy he's just a servant like everybody else um yeah that's pretty much it um when it comes to my theory so it ends out like this when the when the tomb of amity falls down and uh ace pod person ace is distracted um joy grabs the knife that was on top of there i guess he was going to cut her throat last and let her jump inside of joy so joy grabs that and she stabs in the back He's not dead, of course, but she gets away, and she goes with her mom, and they escape. I mean, that's basically, and then the last bomb goes off with Pop Merrill, and there, Nadia was hesitating, but she she did it, and um, anyway, so that's the end of uh, Castle Rock shenanigans for now, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much the end, and I think it's kind of funny because, because like everybody's like doing all these things and acting like normal over and over again but you know that's the whole thing is that they're kind of like under a spell or there is their town and they don't want to believe it people know there's weird things but they still don't leave and nadia had already told pop she's like i'm done with you i don't want anything to do with you and everything but you know i will save you no man left behind but then he tells her hey there's this things inside me and there's no way of getting it out of this person I can hear some french a hell screaming in my head back of my head and i'm not going to be here much longer so go ahead and you know detonate the bomb and i thought they were going to have like a moment but they didn't because he was like i'm so glad to see you graduated so many times meant something to me but he had also been like yeah you told by ace pod person that he ruined four people's lives and they weren't even his real children <laughs> he had red children but he managed to screw other people's children but that's pretty much it so that's the end of that okay then we have um, Joy goes off with her mother, Anne, and they go into Canada with fake passports. They find a, Anne finds a job as a caretaker for a man who is completely bedridden in a big house. So all she has to do is take care of him. They had the run of the whole house, and it's a really nice, pleasant situation. But after what happened to Joy with her finding out her true origin story, and everything she just and plus the tra trauma of 
the whole thing with the pod people. She's just kind of like acting like a zombie. And um, her mom, when they're in the hotel before they cross over, she finds this book about uh, misery. Um, uh, misery is the name of the character. I've never read the book Misery yet, so I guess that's why it's called Misery. But she finds basically like the first book in the hotel they're staying at. So a lot of these hotels have little books that people like leave a book, take a book, leave a book type things, which that's pretty cool. You know, I love those types of things. But anyway, so she puts a book, she picks up the book and reads it. She just automatically loves it. She asks her daughter, can I read to you? And she says, yes. And so she starts reading to her and it's, it's pretty cool because you see the beginning of it, right? And then they have that job and there she's still reading and reading and she's going through all the books and she's totally in love and obsessed with this uh, book series, which I can obviously identify with because uh, I really, there's a couple book series that I just love. I don't ever have like the, the fangirl aspect of an author. Like most authors are kind of like, like they're, they're, they're not, you know, movie stars are curated. Even the quote unquote ugly movie stars are attractive. And even if you don't find them physically attractive, they're always well-groomed and their faces are symmetrical and things like that. You know, like, just they, they just look different, you know? They can look like crap in movies, but if you saw them out and about, they would look different. They look different because they're just used to a different aesthetic and everything. So, but authors, you know, they don't look a certain way. Now, people with money like Stephen King, obviously he's going to look a lot, you know, more groomed and have nicer clothes and and everything but um you know they're not gonna just be i guess it's james con that's in the the misery book movie i think he's obviously a good looking man and i get it and maybe that's part of the plot is that the the actor i mean the author is so hot that she's also in love with him or she and whatever but anyway so they never show his face they just show a, a person sitting down from the chest down at the book signing at the end. So, I'm jumping ahead. Okay, so basically, uh, Joy is very unhappy. She's sitting around um, watching a French-speaking uh, soap opera, which makes uh, her, which makes Anne suspicious because she thinks, I guess the implication is, how do you know French? And she starts thinking weird, and then she goes through. One day, she's looking at Joy's uh, d- drawing pad and she finds like a hundred pictures of this angel you know snandle snag and I'm just not sure if they were there or not but she did she said she doesn't really remember a lot and she's trying to work it out so it's very possible that she saw him or saw all the pictures of the wall of him or saw different things they showed her so I don't know if he appeared to her or not I do know that he appeared uh, appeared on that cliff and then he disappeared when it when his plan didn't work th- work out so anyway so she sees that and she's like oh no so she puts that along with the french thing and then she sees that somebody's on the phone the lines lit up so she picks it up and listens and she hears joy talking to a man who says yes i'll come tomorrow and everything and when she confronts Joy about it, she says, oh, no, I wasn't talking about my mom. Are you taking your medicine? So when she gaslit her, she uh, sealed her own fate. Never gas a person who is in a psychotic break, especially someone who has a violent history like Anne. So she, uh, they get into a fight, and, and they, 
Uh, Joy's trying to run away from her. She's trying to get in the boat and go away. She Anne chases her and says, you don't think I'd know my own daughter, you um, monster type thing? Because she doesn't ever cuss. So she, um, you know, she says, says stuff like cockadoodle and stuff like that. But anyway, so she ba- she drowns her daughter. And she's crying. And she gets up and goes inside. And then she finds the note that her she left her mother saying, sorry, I lied about talking to a man, but I decided to get emancipated like Chance did from my parent so that I can go and make my own decisions and have live my own life. So basically, she was probably going to go meet, live and meet with Chance. But instead of telling her mother that, she decided to go a different route and sneak around, and her mother killed her. Well, she runs back outside after reading that. She resuscitates her, um, gives her, you know, gets the water out, and she's like, what happened, Mom? And she's like, oh, honey, you, you fell off the boat. Um, but I saved you. She's like, okay. And then they start reading these books together. They get super into it. They're back together again. Everything's fine. She um, tells they're traveling again, and um, they go and see the author. And she and on the way there, Joy's like, uh, you think I'm good enough to uh, illustrate um, his books? And, of course, that makes Anne so happy that her daughter loves the books, too. And she's like, oh, yes, definitely. And then they, they were so excited to go to the town and see him in person and do a reading. And uh, she said, it would be great if he was to dedicate a book um, to you or something like that. And she said, oh, yes, I think he will because I'm his number one fan, which, you know. And so, and of course, by the whole series, they kept teasing her with people tied to beds and her in a hammer. By the way, they kept teasing that, but that, that never happened. Um, anyway, <laughs> and some man comes up and says, can I sit here? And she said, no, you know, definitely not. Kind of like, how rude, my daughter's sitting here. And then it starts where the guy comes, sits down, don't show his face, the author. I don't remember the author's name off the top of my head, but, you know, the guy from Misery sits down, and he's about to do his talk, and it shows that Anne is sitting next to an empty chair with a book in it. So she did did not revive her daughter. Her daughter is, uh, Joy is a um, hallucination of her schizophrenia, audio, visual, full-blown hallucination. And I think it's interesting because... um, you know, schizophrenia, that's how it works. You know, it's got different versions of it and how deep they're in. But, you know, I don't, I guess she's not taking her pills anymore or they're just not helping. I just don't know. Um, and she doesn't even realize that Joy's not really there. So that's the end of it. And I really enjoyed the journey. Um, I have to say it was very slow paced for my taste. So it kind of makes me um, not want to. Uh, you know, I just don't know how I feel about it. Like, I would not want to watch it again. I'm not going to go back to it, but it was very uh, interesting to, to watch it. So, there, that's pretty much all I can think about it. Um, that's it for my uh, watch party. I'm glad two seasons actually made sense, and that I was, my instincts were right about the Shenandoah Snag being Randall Flagg, possibly, or at least of being like him. And uh, that's it. Thanks, guys, for uh, listening with me. I hope you enjoyed it. It was very interesting. This is the first time I ever did this. If you guys like this, let me know. If you hate it, let me know, and we'll do something differently, a different way next time, okay? Thanks for listening to my podcast. Bye-bye.